0: And we are live on a Friday night. It's the 10th of March. It's half past seven. Welcome to episode 159 of aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Your twice and sometimes thrice weekly delve into the world of politics, news, dystopia, and everything in between. Uh, that's my guest uh, tonight coughing <laughs> in the background, clearing his throat to um, allow his musings to unfurl more gently. Um, my guest let's let's give him a a proper introduction um he and i go back quite a few years um when i used to do stand-up on the london circuit i used to do my tours of the open mic uh, basements and lofts in london and go to the fringe and put on nights at leicester square theater and all of the above Uh, this gentleman was always in the audience taking notes always performing Um, honing his MC game and he got to the point where um, uh, he took his fringe show up to Edinburgh. It was called the Action Figure Archive and then he went back uh, and did the Action Figure Archive volume 2 he's done another one called retrosexual all of his stuff i guess you could sort of i actually i'll be interested to hear his description of it in a minute but i would sort of put it into this uh genre or subgenre of kind of almost geek comedy like nerd comedy and it's really i don't know it's really endearing it's a lot of fun it's completely different to the usual kind of um uh self analytical nihilistic stand up that certainly i became very familiar with on on the london circuit um anyway look i'm really psyched to have him here tonight good friend of mine you guys are gonna love him please welcome to the show steve mclean
1: hello 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 how are you
0: i'm pretty good it's been a yeah, long cool. week i woke up this morning with a thick head but i've got a beer now so like medicinally i'm kind of recovering how are you
1: I'm all right. Yeah, I've had, uh, I've had the, the coffee there. Uh, I've had COVID. I've, I've, I'm just finally testing negative now. So and I've been left with this kind of this this really meaty kind of cough going on. So instead of a beer, I've got a I've got a cup of tea in a Darth Vader mug. So
0: fair. Yeah, I suppose that's the like the healthy option. Like you could join me for a beer, but you want to give your body a chance to kind of truly recover.
1: Give it a couple of days. I don't drink anymore. Do you know? I no, I've not drank for a good few years now.
0: Do you really um, know that? I feel like last time we went for a beer. I feel like you were drinking a coke or, a right, lemonade or something. Right. So yes,
1: did me, you, and Alfie meet in uh, Dirty Dicks? Yeah. Uh, and I had a lime and soda. That's and right. You guys had a laugh at me having a lime and soda. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I've not. It's been a few years now. I don't drink now, and uh, it's great. It's it's really good for performing. Mm. Um, because i mean you've seen me i i never like to do the same thing twice so it's it's hard to it's hard to think on your feet so it helps you think on your feet um and also as well it's just it's great not waking wor- up i mean i'm i'm about 10 years older than you i feel so i think so i i get those hangovers worse yeah and it's great not waking up feeling like shit for for two days you know so i think yeah
0: I, I feel like like, the when I do take a break from the booze uh, or I just, you know, on a random Friday night, maybe I haven't got a guest book mm. or I've pre-recorded an episode. And so there's no immediate requirement to come out here and slug back beers while I'm talking to someone. When I do have a break from it and I wake up on a mm. Saturday morning fresh, I do feel better for it. But then I play <laughs> with my kids. And my kids are like two and six. And then by about three o'clock that afternoon, I'm self-medicating like a motherfucker. I'm like, they're (laughs) exhausting. And I'm running around. See what you do to
1: daddy? Have you seen what you do to daddy? Yeah. and I was trying to be sober.
0: I'm not advocating. I'm not saying it's a responsible way to parent. But I am saying I do think it makes me a better father because I'm like more patient. I'm calm. I'm chilled. I'm silly. I don't
1: know. I don't know a parent who isn't borderline off their tits at at, at least two or three times a week. It seems to me, though, I couldn't. I mean, I don't have kids. I've had a cat that's similar. And, sure, um, sure. Yeah. Exactly well, you know, it's, it's it's very similar. So uh, it's, it's I I just I just don't know how you would get through it without being absolutely bladed at least 60% of the time because you know they they they're, they're, uh, everything about them is trouble and the constant questions and the falling over and the violence between them the them it's just yeah I'd be mainline in gin if I was a parent so hats off to you. Yeah. To, to,
0: well it becomes like a sort of I, I totally see how the addiction cycle starts with it because it's like if if you have a few beers on the friday because mm. you've had a tough week with them or and work and everything and then the saturday you wake up tired and a bit aggy and then by mm. three o'clock you're like i oh i'm I'm just gonna need a beer here to to get me through the rest of the day but then you wake up again you're tired and then yeah the whole thing starts again i mean i'm not you know literally on it all the, all the time but i get no, it
1: no yeah, you you understand the ones that are. Yes. the ones that have mummy's special juice.
0: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's <laughs> let's drag this conversation <laughs> kicking and screaming away from my descent into alcoholism and let's talk about yeah. you. This is about you, Steve. So oh, okay.
1: Okay.
0: um so for the benefit of people who may not have seen or heard your stuff um before. So I gave you a little I... intro there. I've I describe you as kind of geek comedy. Is that fair? Like how would you describe your stuff?
1: Um, so I got a review in The Guardian of my, of my things, last, bro. Uh, it was the Essex Guardian. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was, <laughs> yeah. I got a review and the review said, surprisingly woke for a skinhead in a basement. Okay. And I think that kind of, so yeah, I do geek comedy, but I, I dig deep into it. I don't just do, it you know oh isn't it great Darth Vader ha 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 or whatever I I, I try and find things that that connect with the world and, and 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 geekery is my inroad into actually being the secret political comedian I've always wanted to be but not smart enough to be right you know so I will I will use kind of He-Man and Skeletor as 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 kind of uh, uh, a way into to Donald Trump and things like that but at, at the surface and first and foremost it always has to be fun Do you yeah. know what I mean it has to be bullshit it has to be fun and it, it has to be just jokes but then underneath that you can have a little bit of a layer and be what you want to be and that's so when you talked on like personality comedy yeah I find that really off-putting, right? Because so I'm Scottish. Uh, you can't tell by my accent. I've, I've been in England way too long. Yeah. Um, but it does it does irk with me when I see other Scotsmen or Scottish comedians uh, come on and go. Well, as a Scottish person, oh, heroin and shortbread, and oh, I was right, right. grown up grown up in a council estate and beaten by my you know and it's just it's like what you're doing is you're giving predominantly white english middle class people permission to laugh at things that they want to laugh about but don't have you know so so when it's i really, see when it's
0: really interesting that you see it from that dynamic because i would see it as you're self-empowering. Like you're taking the cliches and stereotypes that white, middle-class English people may have adopted over various years and you're twisting it and using it to your own benefit. Like you're playing the card that you've been dealt back at them sort of thing. But you see it the opposite way around.
1: Well, I, I mean, I see it as that was the intention to begin with. Mm. And what it did was open up a whole can of worms for lazy, lazy stereotyping and i think comedians should try and write a joke about something that doesn't affect them personally yeah. and if you can get a laugh out of that that means that means you're, you're you're a different level than than the guy that comes out. i mean i could go out and do a whole set about being overweight because mm. uh, you whilst this is a wonderful camera angle you can't tell i'm you know rather overweight, I could do that, and because I'm a fat guy punching down on fat people, a predominantly thin audience would go ha 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 fatties right right i used to do you remember I used to do a bit about the pound shop? Do you remember I used to do a set about the pound? Do you remember the, the sh So in 2015, uh, yeah. when we shared an Edinburgh Fringe venue, I was doing a whole set. I did a show about uh, called Are You Really Being Served? And it was about stuff you could buy from the pound shop. And I stopped doing it, not because I didn't like the material, because there was a whole section of the audience had come along and go, ha, 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 poor people. Right. So it's kind of... It's t- t- now it's al Murray isn't it it's al Murray there's two they say there's two al Murray audiences the ones that get the joke and the ones that are laughing through bared teeth mm. at the fa at the, at, at the base level and what i don 't want is people laughing at at the base level and you so want in order
0: to get the irony of
1: it but i don't think i'm a smart enough comedian to write the joke that purely hits the irony, yeah. so in order to kind of remove myself from that i 've stopped entirely or you know, when I can, because obviously these things slip out in conversation and stuff. When you, when you kind of train to be a comedian, you can't help yourself. And then you get these odd little kind of things where you come out and you punch on yourself and you punch on others and you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But I got away with it because everyone realizes a smile on my face and I'm the idiot, you know? So it's the the good
0: thing about like, so I, I heard this, I I think it was Al Murray that said it, maybe it was somebody else who does a similar sort of, you know, character thing. Um, we were saying like he goes up on stage and he he says these things and he adopts this character and most of the audience get it most of them see that he's lampooning a particular type of person Mm. um, but occasionally he's visited after the performance by somebody who literally takes it at face value like yeah yeah like i also hate that particular subset of people and he's like horrified like
1: we well, see. I I wonder how much Al is because uh, Warren Mitchell used to get it with Alf Garnett. Yeah, I uh, imagine people that didn't get the joke, and they come up to him, and he's like, "No, no, I'm not like you." Um, but I I wonder how much of it, Al Murray is maybe not accepting here. Larger part of his audience mm. are on are on for are there for the ha 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 the French. Yeah. You know, it's kind <laughs> of, and, and it must be really, though, really it? hard. It, well, it must like, be hard. It's
0: like, I was just going to say, it's interesting that like, there's a, there's a connect there in that the people who subscribe to racism or subscribe to uh, prejudice mm. are the same people who were stupid enough to not really get <laughs> the ironic late. Like it's, <sighs> it, it just shows you again that it's dumb. Right.
1: I mean, say what you want about Al Murray, but he's done more for Unite and the country than any politician. He's got he's got two very different groups of people laughing at the same gag. It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. But fair play. But then, you know, it it must really sting him. It must sting him more than it. I mean, he's made his whole career. It must sting him. Me doing for a couple of years stuff about the pound shop. It must really sting him when it still happens these days, because who out there can be still thinking this isn't a character? You know, yeah. so it's, it, well, yeah.
0: I imagine if you were a fan of Al Murray, the pub landlord, and you sort of, you know, you saw the off-color jokes, the sort of on-the-line jokes, and you really thought that was your guy, and he was telling it how it is, and you're like, yeah, he gets it, and that's why I like him. I'm going to pay 20 quid to go and see him. And then you found out at this late stage that it was all the character, <laughs> and you've invested 20 fucking years of your life. Wow. <laughs> Feeling emboldened and
1: empowered. How many? How many people do you think it would? It would. It would turn to to his kind of it'd be like because you know when you you know how you say when you get down the rabbit hole you cling on to things. If you've gone down the Al Murray uh, fandom mm. and on the side of 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 the pub landlord, and then it suddenly occurs to you that it's a joke. How many people hang on and go? Well, I knew it was a joke all the time, and I've always been that way. It's yeah. Kind
0: of... yeah. Or how many people would then I mean, we live in such a sort of post-truth society, mm. an era where people wouldn't believe it. They would say, No, he only he has to say that it's all a joke. But oh, of course, yes,
1: it. there will be there will be that element you of people know? as well, won't there? There'll be that people who go, Oh yeah, well he has to do that to get the It's like when um when people interpret things for their own uh what is this they call it? Confirmation bias. And they yeah. make up their own reasonings for for the fact so i i don't remember i mean it was about uh 25 years ago and then the national census committee the national census office whatever they're called they released that the population of britain had gone up by two percent yeah and the guardian reported it There, there was no other facts as to why they just said that the guardian reported it as uh no no it was the express reported it as a new baby boom as people look back uh, back to the 50s for inspiration and then the mail reported it as immigration rises rises the population by 2% and then the sun reported it as bonking brits and it's just that kind of and i wonder i wonder how much of that exists in in real people actually now you say that it's like yeah, that, yeah. that kind of making up your own uh making up your own reasons for why things happen
0: well it's like i guess the equivalent for me if it are if talking al murray or interpretation of like birth rate figures and then being exposed yeah. to watch the actual like the, the cold hard reality behind these figures and thrashing away your confirmation biases it would be a bit like for me finding out that doug stanhope was actually a character like and actually his name was really like you know john jefferson and he's actually a healthy guy and he goes to the gym <laughs> Just, i'm
1: like... not convinced doug stanhope isn't a character <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Don't blow my mind here. Here I, I am, like I, I, hosting the podcast I thought, with years. And... I thought.
1: I thought this year every day he closes the door and goes, "I fooled them again, darling." Yeah. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> mm. I'm not 100 percent convinced that Doug Stanhope isn't a work of genius. Uh, I be. mean, obviously, he's a work of genius, but in a way that we are not uh, that we are not on board with. He's like that's the level of Stanhope.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a genius. We all agree he's a genius, but just some of us know it's in a slightly different way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> some of us are in on it.
0: What, what's your sense of how stand-up is now, like in London? Because I'll, I'll give you a little prelude, if you like. So right. you and I, I think, started open-miking at the same time, roughly. About 2013? Um, yeah, yeah, about then. I think I like my first gigs were in like 2012 or 2011 or something. But then I did that thing where you try it once and then it goes terrible. So you run away and don't do it for six months. Um, But I started like really going regularly around then. And and it felt like there was a real subculture to it. To me, it felt like there was, I'm not going to say family, but there was certainly a sort of social club element to it. You could make friends. There was, um, it felt really punk rock people putting on their own nights um I, I i don't know it just felt like an exciting time to be involved in comedy and to be sort of building up and uh, and growing with it um and then recently i've dipped my toe back into it i've performed at a few like little open mic nights just testing ideas for a big gig that we had in soho recently mm-hmm. um and my my experience of the open mic circuit over the last like eight weeks has been fucking hell this has got so bad (laughs) it's like no atmosphere no like family or like you know good friendships being built there's nothing really that exciting i'm not trying to throw shade at anyone that might be listening to this like oh this motherfucker performed at my night (laughs) but i'm just saying like it feels different something's missing like is that fair do you think
1: that's? i think it was always thus Really I think it was always thus you walked in wide eyed and bushy tailed and it swept you mm. up and it swept me up as well because i so i run i run a well I MC a competition called West End new Act of the year and um it's a competition for new acts who've been going under four years uh it was set up with myself from the carpenter's arms for um uh, to give a profile boost to the, the new acts who've been most screwed over by the pandemic, mm-hmm. the guys that just got started then found a massive 18-month break. And it just felt really, really unfair. And I've noticed a hell of a camaraderie between these. these. Uh, for a start, I've noticed the standard a lot higher than when we started. mm standard of acts and now seems to, and I think there's the pandemic, because I think the pandemic when everyone inside read books, did online courses about how to be a stand-up, did Zoom gigs, which if you can master a Zoom gig, yeah. you're going to be a good act, because Zoom gigs are an absolute binfire. Yeah. So I noticed a much higher standard and a much greater level of camaraderie, as in genuine friendship. I think what you're painting yeah. is picture of there was a real undercurrent of snidiness that went with with the, the the gigs that we did early on there was a lot of real uh you know the guys that would come and they'd sit at the back and they'd look at their notebooks and they wouldn't join in and they'd be and they'd think they were a big deal because they'd done a headline spot at charlie Wright's international bar and <laughs> there's none of that there's, do you remember that gig? There's none of, there's none of that now. There's a genuine, during this competition, uh, Iran, the, the, the acts that just want the other acts to do well. There's none of that. Do you remember when you'd kind of, if you brought mates along and it'd be, maybe it was a clap off or something and you'd actively encourage your friends not to laugh because don't laugh at them, laugh at me kind of thing. Not you, but that's what would happen. Yeah, none yeah. of that, none of that. Everybody lets go. Everybody gives up. There's a lot more camaraderie now, I would say. I just think me and you, we're not part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so we're Yeah, going- so it's a sort of bubble um, kind yeah. of thing that's happening. So I, I get that. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it could also be that I'm just at a different stage of my life. So when I started yeah. stand up, uh, I I can't remember if I talked to you about this, about how, have we ever talked about how we ended up starting in stand up or if we just always talk. no but i remember your
1: film it was was wonderful yeah you made a wonderful film called open mic about in 2015 after about three years on the circuit
0: that's right and
1: you said at the end this absolutely has to work Mm. and i thought that was beautiful because that is i mean that that statement in itself is a gamble
0: didn't work though
1: well that's it (laughs) it almost certainly wasn't going to because it only works for a gazillion yeah. Or like myself, you then carry on and you start carving out your very niche audiences. You know, yeah. it's like I can get 25 people in Bolton on a Tuesday if I'm bloody lucky. Uh, and that's not they're not coming for me. They're coming from the logo that I nicked from George Lucas. Right. You know, it's kind of so. But it's I, I think it's. As those are the, those those are the ways but those are the ways you can go so the fact that you 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 said that absolutely has to work mm. was a beautiful beautiful thing because you were laying everything on the line your heart was on the line everything you put into it whether it did or didn't the fact that you said that it shows and betrays not betrays sells what you were trying to achieve so your mindset back then mm. of what you experienced is a polar opposite to what you're experiencing now, as you're touching into an open mic circuit that you no longer want. Mm. I think it's so.
0: I guess the first thing is like so when when I was really like gigging hard, uh, yeah, I was doing like three, four gigs a week when I was doing that documentary, and uh, and sometimes doubling up, and just trying new ideas constantly, obsessing over it. And the 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 point that I, the, the context that I was uh the picture i was trying to paint in the documentary when i said that was like you know i'm not good at this i'm i'm too easily distracted for that like all of my friends have got this job or that job or like they come from family money or like i have this (laughs) and my girlfriend and just like maybe a shot at getting (laughs) getting something to come out of this whatever that might be and interestingly then not long after that i retrained and got into coding and i've been all right at coding um so it wasn't so much a like it it didn't i mean it didn't work out in terms of stand-up but it's like i took a left turn retrained became relatively financially stable off the back of that and then now like over the last 18 months i've been doing so much like online content steve that weirdly now it's sort of pulling me back it like now we can do nights at Twenty One Soho and sell it out, yeah, and I can go yeah. up on stage and do some stand up that previously I would have been shitting myself inside out about doing to a room of two hundred. But now it's like, oh, they they're paying to come and see me, Super Tansky, Danny. Like yeah. we've, we've built a little. Thing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks
1: for booking me, by the way.
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was well, it's political comedy, not so much.
1: Uh... Not so much. He man.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I like that. Actually, I was going to ask you, um, so do you find like if you if you weave in the action figure and the and the Mm. geek culture elements to it to to make it accessible whilst leveraging off elements of political comedy, does that make your proposition not to sound too marketingy, but does that make your proposition quite like family friendly then?
1: No, because I say cunt an awful lot. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and I'm glad I never, to I I'm, I'm disgusted. That is offensive. I never
1: I never I mean it depends I'm kind of Manson family friendly. Uh I I, oh. I never I never learned how to do it without being really sweary. Um but on paper, yeah. I mean the the problem is I don't do family friendly shows because of my own inability to talk and not swear. I had people turn up to a couple of years ago to a Leicester, uh, Leicester comedy festival gig. And they're like, Oh, we assume because the subject was, uh, it was family friendly. So I've written 18 on the thing. And they're like, yes, but it's about toys. I says, yes, but by an adult, you mm. know what I mean? So I, I mean, it could probably, if you could find someone better than me,
0: uh, I think to that's do possible. it.
1: Yeah. No, but, you know, what I mean, if you could find someone who's, you know, you know, the guys who's really good at kind of going up and remembering scripts and not going, getting distracted by someone in the audience and mm-hmm. saying, "What's you look like a fucking chuckle brother or whatever it is I do. You know, it's kind of. So, yeah, if you could get. But then at the same time, if you, if you got someone to deliver that script without any swearing and without any distraction from the audience, there'd only be about 20 minutes of material so right. <laughs> you know what i mean the show Is would that be deep re-
0: into the crowd work so so for the benefit again like of people because a lot of people listen to this and and get involved in the live stream and jump on my twitter thinking that you know it's it's all just political content or or satire or whatever but i'm you know as it's probably evident from the first uh what half an hour of this show i'm a fucking comedy geek man like, like we, we, yeah. we could we could yeah. spend the next half an hour talking about this stuff but so with crowd work um, so crowd work is when you go into the crowd and you ask people what they do for a living and uh, you know where they've come from ah. tonight and is this your husband that's next to you that sort of stuff. I can't do that because I can't improvise for shit. I know I make all of this look effortless. Yeah. And maybe some people think, oh no, I, d- I think he's too hard on himself. Honestly, this is a proven fact. I'm not a good I MC. I see you
1: MC. You were okay. You're it, all I right. was
0: literally. That's a good. That You're is a, a good description. I saw
1: you. Where did you do? Did you do what was the show? You panda riot. Yes. You emceed a show called Panda Riot. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I you to... were
1: a decent MC man. Nah. The, I, I, man. No, like... because you were no, because you were conversational, and this is it. So when there's a certain kind of, I don't. It's weird because the shows I do. And I'm one of them. And I have to stress, if anyone's out there thinking I'm taking the piss out of geeks, I'm not. I'm one of them. You can't see my Star Wars curtains. You can't see my geek posters behind here. Um, they're stuck to my wall. There's a Gamorrean guard. You mm. know, it kind of it, it's I'm, I'm absolutely one of them. So I don't kind of go and go, oh, you two, a couple. Uh, where are you from? You know, I go in and I talk about the thing I'm talking about and make it personal. So if I'm doing a bit on transformers, who's your favorite transformer? And then w- this is where the very specific part of the crowd work comes from. I talk about what they've just mentioned. Yeah. So you have to know your shit. Otherwise you get found out. And if you don't know your shit, you have to put your hands up and go, I've never heard of that. Is that blah, 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 blah. Um, it's not the same kind of, Crowd, it, it's not the same kind of crowd work as anyone drinking. What do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can learn that. Can you though? You can because learn that. Yes, man. You like can. so, like if funny that you.
0: So you bring up the the panda Riot gigs. So I used to book Tanya Moore to MC those because she is right. So Absolutely if anyone's amazing listening, amazing MC. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this and you're not familiar with Tanya Moore, uh, go and seek her out, man. Tanya Moore. Is hands down the best MC I ever saw. And I'm including like even comedy store MCs back in the day.
1: Oh, fucking uh, you know,
0: and this was back when I, she I, was I, like, I'll go with you on that. Yeah, like this is when she was still on the open mic circuit and the comedy store guys were at the comedy store. Like there was <laughs> yeah, it's like the comparison is so stark, and now she's yeah. at the comedy store, by the way. But um so so I hear her anyway. Uh but yeah, <laughs> she was phenomenal, and it's like like watching a fucking wizard. It's like she's, yeah, in, she's, brilliant. she's in the brilliant. front row, asking this guy what he does. Then she goes back to the back row. Then she references what the first guy said with this guy, finds a link, out comes the laugh, then talks about something in the news, then back to this. Oh, what, what's your name? Is this your wife? Blah, blah. Mm. But it's like fucking gold material. <laughs> like her improv is better than my pre-written shit. Yeah. That I've honed. But, but, um,
1: but you can learn that. I mean... Um, know, go man. watch. Go watch. You know, one of my favorite MCs is be it a, a, a grassroots new material night or an open mic night or a pro night, he, mm. he smashes all of them. Uh, David Lewis, and it pains me to say that because you know, uh, it's David Lewis, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Is there, is there some beef there? He is, Can he, he no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I'm fine with. Grown men whose mums still pay their rent. Um, oh. So <laughs> Dave, it's said with love. It's said with love. Yeah. Um, but he, if you, he's an absolute phenomenal MC, mm. he's fantastic, and. You will see, if you go and see him enough as I have, because I drop in on, he, he's one of those very kind promoters who lets me drop in to try something. I've had an idea at three o'clock and I'll text and say, can I come and try this idea? You know, Alfie's another one. There's that's, a, that's couple, the there's a couple of yeah. promoters who yeah. are really, really good to me who who know that if I've had an idea, that at least they'll like to hear it. And, and David, if you see him a few weeks in a row, whilst it's, off the cuff there's only so many answers an audience will give then there's only there's very few real left wing left field kind of clangers that come out of nowhere and your responses you might have 800 responses but you have responses and when you do it often enough it becomes muscle memory so a really whilst not to take anything away from the two great mcs we've mentioned the more you do it, the better you get. It's a muscle. Mm. It's like stand up. It's just a different type. It's like improv. Yeah. You know, good improv good improvers don't improv. They they remember the last time they did this improv and how well it went. You know, that's why it's it's a muscle. It's a really, and, and then every now and then something comes out of nowhere and you smash it out of the park because you're sharp and your muscles pumping and you've been doing this enough to know that you've got the confidence to sell it, you know? It's a, it, it's a skill. It's an excellent skill. And and to say that you couldn't do that is bullshit because you can sit down and you can have a friendly conversation. You just needed to do it over and over and over and over again and you never did.
0: Yeah, it could be the fear factor, couldn't it? It's like, I think one, once you've made a, a room come to life with the new yeah so you you mentioned a scenario a minute ago about like where you think of something at three o'clock in the afternoon it pops in your head yeah don't know where it comes from but you're like oh fuck, man that would I, i've got a good feeling about that and then you text alfie or you text whoever and uh, and then you go down half seven sign in mm-hmm. half past eight everyone's had a couple of drinks okay the MC comes off you go on stage and then say this thing that just came to you at three o'clock and the room fucking like it like it is in like there's a ripple of laughter like it's there's no fucking feeling like that to just have this uh, return I'll, I'll on let your... you know
1: when i get there. Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no man you're being you you're being faux modest Steve i've seen you. Yeah
1: i know i'm fucking awesome.
0: Um <laughs> there you go um let's look i i've mentioned i could talk shop with you for fucking hours but let's let's touch a little bit on the news and the politics um whilst whilst i have you and uh you know by all means throw in some he-man metaphors if if you desire um it's a big week for the bbc (laughs) uh so just to sort of to wheel back if if people are listening to this in like a month or two months just to sort of join the dots here in terms of how bad this week has been so the bbc have rumored or are rumoured to have pulled an episode of David Attenborough's, like, climate crisis stuff about extinction and about trying to reintroduce animals into the wild because they are worried, so it is said uh, in The Guardian, uh, they're worried about upsetting <coughs> upsetting right-wing tabloids. They don't want <laughs> to stoke that fire, so they've just pulled this episode by David fucking Attenborough, one of the most celebrated directors and presenters of the modern era. So there's that. Uh, then we have... Gary Lineker. So at the beginning of the week, um, we have the illegal migration bill, which is basically seeking to criminalize dinghies. So if you're having a staycation in the UK this year, don't touch a fucking dinghy. That shit is contraband. Uh, and this disgusting bill that they're, they probably won't get passed because it's too outrageous. Um, it's not
1: there to get passed.
0: No, that's it. It's there to stoke the flames. Um, it's a campaigning tool. But that was broached earlier in the week and uh off the back of that gary lineker obviously a sports presenter tweeted that it was uh, he, he didn't approve of it and ever since he said then... he
1: said it was using language similar to the third Reich, didn't he that's
0: right yes um and ever since then the conversation has magically changed from being about how disgusting this illegal migration bill is in the fact that it would propel Uh, asylum seekers into a sort of purgatorial state of just being pushed from this detention center to that detention center. And after 28 days, we don't know where they're going to go and and all of that shit. Yeah. Um, That conversation is over now. Now it's all about Gary Lineker and whether he should or should not have said this stuff because he's on a BBC contract. And now just before we started rolling tonight, uh, he's been basically removed from the match of the day.
1: I mean, something wonderful happened as well. Ian Wright, has said i am not going to be appearing on this week's match of the day as had alan shearer mm. as has alan shearer which i think is glorious Absolutely. i think that even if you don't agree with what gary Linnick has had to say to say that he can't he's not a news reporter this is what's getting on my tits it's like if you if you if the only thing comparable Comparable, comparable uh is the the Jeremy Clarkson thing, where over a course of twenty years, he said what the fuck he wanted online or on air, not just in tweets, but on air. He made racist comments you remember? Do you remember the racist comment they made when they were um, somewhere in Asia, mm. and they they made I don't want to repeat it, but and 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 it's like so you're and and he get a slap on the wrists, but the only but what to what took for him to get fired allegedly, and I'm going to say absolutely, definitely, factually because I choose to believe it, uh, what it took to get fired, definitely, factually was him punching someone who delivered him cold food. Yeah. So there's no... They're absolutely fine Letting far right fuck nuggets like Jeremy Clarkson say what the fuck they want whenever they want. Yeah. And yet when it's someone going, hang on, the guys, let's not laugh at people dying in the sea, suddenly it's outrage. And you know what? You know what is alarming? What is what is funny? All of the freedom of speech whack jobs and also all of the freedom of speech whack jobs and anti-BBC whack jobs are fucking silent. Yeah. Where the fuck are they? If they had one shred of consistency, I'm not even looking for decency, but consistency, if they had one little bit of consistency, every single one of them should would be going, uh, Gary Lineker should be able to say what he wants on his personal tweets. Yeah. Uh, as they have done with every single person, they—that's another thing as well. They're really against cancel culture. Not—not not a fucking word out of Nigel Farage. Not a fucking word out of that tosspot Dan Wooten. Not a fucking word out of Lee Anderson. Not a fucking word out of all of the human fucking shit erraties, uh, to, to, to saying saying. Hang on a minute, we're supporting Gary Lineker here, even though we don't. You know the old—I oh, I don't agree with him, but I defend his right to say it. Where the fuck is that from these yeah. morons? Yeah, they're all. Suspiciously quiet, and so all we can take from that is all those far right fuck nuggets um, are actually—they don't give a fuck about freedom of speech. They only care about being hateful. Yeah. Otherwise, open your mouths, fuckos.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's—I mean, it's—it's it's quite. And that's telling. why I'm not
1: allowed on Question Time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's quite telling. Like, so I—I I think of yeah, like the free speech warriors, the people who rail against cancel culture and and so on. Fucking Toby uh, Young. The only ones who don't who who seem to break that mold and I'm not a fan particularly of either one of them, but they do deserve some credit in terms of actually um uh, walking the walk uh, in terms of like you shouldn't cancel people for what they should be able to say whatever they like is David Davis in a conservative party who truly does appear I mean look he might be a fucking idiot with brexit, but at least with freedom of speech he does actually employ some consistency and I think Steve Baker also. And again, I think...
1: Steve Baker's having a massive meltdown over what he's done at the country. Let's be, let's be, you know what I mean? Steve Baker's having sure, real, but on real, this, real, on real freedom of speech remorse,
0: and and backing people up and actually adopting something close to libertarianism, uh, they deserve a um, small amount of credit, I, no? No,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't say, I think, I, I disagree. Uh, I think the base level of standing up to what you say you believe in doesn't deserve credit. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you it's mean. Like saying, yeah, like, that's entry it's like, level. It's the, only, the only, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the least I would expect from these whack jobs. And to then give them credit is showing you how fucking awful the rest are. But It's like, well, at least they're not as bad as, and I don't agree. It's like, no, no, no. You shouldn't get plaudits for for for, for being the person you say you are.
0: But, okay, hear me out. In mm. a parliamentary environment where there are so many high-risk low-rent cunts you're lee anderson's <laughs> scott benton's uh uh see may- maybe i shouldn't do family shows either um you're ben bradley's you're like fill in the blanks right whoever yeah, yeah. is the 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 current um embarrassing tory mp that came in on the 29 intake of the week right um in in an environment where you have these individuals constantly embarrassing themselves and not walking the walk where they talk talk about freedom of speech yeah. and libertarianism, um, should you not applaud the people who do?
1: Uh, no, you should harangue the people that don't.
0: Yeah, but if you congratulate the people who do, then you're show- there's an example there for these guys to go like, oh, I'm, hang on a I'm, second. I'm
1: not. No, right. I had a flatmate called Paul and he was a piece of shit. Uh, and he used to steal food And he used to steal milk And we were having a chat in the kitchen one day And he goes, oh yeah, well I've stopped stealing food and milk now And it's like and he was expecting me to go, well done And it's like, I am not saying well done For you being the base level of human being You're supposed to fucking be I am not going to The same people that say participation trophy this Are the same people that go, look at me Being the person I said I am No, nah, I'm not wiping any cunt's ass yeah. Fuck them Fair enough I
0: mean, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is I'm so fed up and tired of being disappointed by hypocrisy that it's quite refreshing when I see someone actually.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's, it's nice to see, but I'm not going to go, well, yeah. give credit to David Davis for not being a fucking liar. No, bullshit. Yeah. Give credit to whoever for not being a hypocrite. No, you don't give credit to people for not being a hypocrite. You give, you know, you, you call out hypocrites. You yeah. call out pieces of shit, oh, it, 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 and what will happen now is is that oh, when this goes to air, there will be a lot of people on your feed going, "Ah, oh, Steve McLean's on an episode of Golden Balls, and he stole the jackpot, so he himself is a hypocrite." Um, I, I, that happens to me a lot. I appeared on a game show, on, uh, and and because I obeyed the game the rules of the game show, apparently I'm not able to judge people who are far right fuck nuggets.
0: Okay, I didn't <laughs> understand any of that. I'm I'm missing so much content. Did you? Oh, no, but...
1: mate, I was. I was, I was. So What's, I was on this the game show. What the fuck is Golden Balls? Like, it was a game show 15 years ago, and it, the, the end. The end result is is prisoner's dilemma. You split or steal the jackpot. If you both split the jackpot, you share it. If one of you steals the jackpot and the other one splits the jackpot. You, the person that steals wins it. And if you both split, you both get nothing. You both steal, you both get nothing. And it's Prisoner's Dilemma. And it's, and, and whenever any of these far right fuck nuggets come at me, they always go, Oh, look at you, you hypocrite. You did, you stole this. And it's like, you realize I didn't steal anything? Mm. I obeyed the rules of a game. So, What I'm saying to you here is, and this is probably revealing a bit too much about my history on the internet, is that whenever I appear on these things railing against these hypocrites, someone comes up and posts a clip of me on Golden Balls going, well, he he obeyed the rules of a game show, so he himself is a hypocrite. He can't judge fascists. And I'm looking at your bewildered face now. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm just like, I mean, you understand there's a I fucking difference between, yeah, <laughs> like conduct on a game show. Like, the clue's in the name. It's a fucking game show, okay? Like, Steve can out, operate, yes, yes. like, was was he arrested at the end of the game? Well, then I don't think he did anything illegal or too disgusting, <laughs> Okay. I mean
1: um, but, but I mean it's 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 one of those things that I appear on podcasts quite a lot calling out calling out hypocrisy. Yeah. And then within about ten minutes of the podcast being published, some will go, ah, Steve McLean's a hypocrite. Some absolute fucking incel who stinks of Lynx Africa will be like, Oh and it's it's kinda I'll be disappointed if it doesn't happen is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'll be disappointed too because I could do with the numbers. I mean, yeah, <laughs> any engagement
1: <laughs> is good. They're not if... good numbers. Eh? They're not good people. You don't want those. You, you know, I was, you t- <laughs> I was reading.
0: Did you read the John uh, George? Mon- I don't know how to pronounce his surname. This is really embarrassing. I've read his stuff a lot, but I don't know. So George Monbayo or Mombiat? Is it? Journalist? I know who
1: you mean. And yeah, he's a like well, environmentalist. Yeah. He works with Guardian. Yeah. And
0: he speaks about media sometimes, and um. He read. He wrote a really good piece and a tweet thread earlier about Russell Brand. Uh, and it was about the journey that Russell Brand has been on. from Painful being, to
1: watch, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like going from the it's darling awful. of the left, railing against tax avoidance, sitting there with Ed Miliband after having told people previously, not like, what's the point voting, but then cozying up to Labour. He did the trues. He railed against Rupert Murdoch. He was definitely comfortably in a super socialist, radical left space. And George Monbiot said um, he was like, to to see where he's ended up on
1: like YouTube doing these Fox videos. News. It was on Fox He yep. did a whole video about it's should on- I appear on Fox News, clearly saying I'm going to appear on Fox News. You know, it's yeah. really
0: And did really you see disappointing. The, the photograph of him hanging out with Trump's fucking son?
1: <laughs> Of course he is now. Of course. he. I mean, you know, that's where, that's the whole thing with these, the grift, isn't it? It's kind of, once you get down, once for once you start down its dark path forever, it will dominate your destiny. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it,
0: it's, it, <sighs> but this is it. It's like, it's four numbers was Mombayat's point. He's like, I mean, well, we don't know that right but that was mm. what he was or my interpretation of what he said was that once these guys whether it's a joe rogan or Ru- or russell brand or a um what's the fucking name of that guy G- uh, glenn greenwald um, right once they get a taste of the numbers the frenzy that you can get when you start uploading videos called wuhan test lab or yeah. fucking you know um chemtrails well, something like even if you're not actually saying that these things are real actually you are already part of the conversation well, and it's it...
1: the enabling isn't it it's, it's the far right enabling that they do it's it's, it's what gb news is based on the, the the far right enabling as in we're not actually going to come out and say it we're going to give you reasons to say it we're yeah. going to give you the argument to make it look like you're not a fucking rabid mouth breather you know and that's what their whole that's what they're there for um, and that's that's the long game I'm playing at some point I'm going to just going to switch and be like oh yeah I used to be this lefty liberal cuck and now I'm getting 300 pounds appearance fee on GB News every Friday night you know it's
0: I think I you'd see... be I think it would crush <laughs> your soul to hear how much GB News are actually going to pay you to appear on there. <laughs> like...
1: they they've asked me three times have they yeah, 300 quid? Three, yeah oh, mate, I'll take that I know I well, you know, it's kind of uh, it's got it started off at one hundred and fifty, and it's gone up.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. because yeah, the... I've been doing like so, I've been sort of you know sending out stuff for like media appearances because I've got to survive this remortgage. I'm not sure how yeah. it's going to happen yet, but. I'm like, I've got to, got to start hustling. Got to find some go, fucking mate, way. Go, to... go on,
1: go on GB News and pretend there's an, another side to equality. That's all you have to do is just pretend there's another side to to why people should 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 have human rights. Do you think? And pretend it's a debatable point. That's you know, it's easy mark. I mean, the really good thing. Commun- do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> do you mean like
0: pretend it versus their uh station editorial policy that actually we should leave like the echr if indeed that is what it is i don't know i'm assuming i mean but... i'm
1: sure i'm sure it is i'm sure it is i don't know this seems to be it's really weird in it because i mean i i'm i'm a, i'm aware enough to know where i am in mm. life in comedy and it's like if if GB news are the only ones knocking on your door, don't answer the fucking door. If you've been doing it eight and a half years and GB news have gone, oh, you're the person for us. Take a fucking look at yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like if you've done 150 open spots for some, uh, promoter, but you haven't been paid for. And suddenly GB news want to hear from you. It's, it's not cause you're a fucking genius you know no one's out there go no one and i appreciate i appreciate the irony of me saying this and I appreciate the irony of me saying that you know um it always seems to be the comedians who've been plugging away for a gazillion years uh still playing underneath a pub because i'm that guy but um
0: no you're a bit further you yeah. you're doing yourself a disservice like so one of the things you said to me early on that's always stayed with me uh was the what the fuck is it is the, is it the it's not the eighty twenty rule it's like the one
1: thousand fans theory
0: yes can you can you enlighten my listeners with this theory?
1: You need a thousand people a year to spend thirty pound on you, and that's a career mm. and that's how so many acts do it because yeah. There's only so much room at the Pleasants. There's only so much room at the stand. And even if you want to do the Pleasance and the stand or whatever, you're not the stand. Actually, they're the good guys. But if you want to do the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh, if you want to do these, there's, there's, you're you're financially crippling yourself. I know people who did their first Edinburgh when I did my first Edinburgh, and they went with the big boys, and they're still paying it off now. Yeah, you know. It's a hell of a gamble. So yeah, you if you play the one thousand fans theory. And do you remember you so you worked in television? Do you remember the do you remember the phrase narrow casting?
0: Uh I didn't really work in television. I worked at Sky, but I didn't um I wasn't involved in like broadcasting. I worked in tech as a junior oh, okay. developer and like projects and stuff. Um So, so I, there was yeah. there was
1: a buzz there was a buzzword around about two thousands called narrow casting. And it right. was it, and it's it works. It's why you've got channels like the History Channel and Nat Geo and dot TV and all these kind of small channels. Because you can if you've got targeted content for people who like your content, you can change charge more for the advertisers because you know that everyone watching that channel is interested in your advertising yeah. if you if you've got a history channel and you've got a, advertising a book collection of world war ii so it is essentially narrow casting it's yeah. not so you're live at, look at live at apollo as broadcasting that they're, they're creating big swathes of things that everyone can relate to and that's fucking hard by the way and if i hear another fucking act slagging off a live at the apollo act I, I will lose my shit because it's like it's really, really hard to write a joke that encompasses so many people and still feel relevant to them. Go fuck yourself, comedians who don't think that's hard. I can't do it. But then
0: who was it? Was it Marlon Davis? Some Somebody told me that if you fail at Live at the Apollo or like maybe it was like a late night at the comedy store thing whatever it was mm. that he was on he was like if it doesn't go well they will just fucking weave in the laughter so you can't miss like you could write no, a joke but that hang on appear. hang
1: on hang on no you, you can't miss on the uh on the tv broadcast yeah but you're done when they do that the amount it's of like. people who've been on live with apollo once is huge there's loads and loads of people have had one of some names
0: no i'm not gonna
1: give you any names Um, (laughs) i mean or 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 not even i mean apparently right nick helm
0: oh okay
1: right apparently they got now nick helm for me should never be on live at apollo Uh, was it nick helm and and he and he got about did he get about um so much bad Twitter feedback because of the live at the Apollo, because he's not a live at the Apollo comedian, as far as I'm concerned. You right. know what I mean? He's I was just very, checking, very like specialist. looking at his photo because I wasn't is it sure Nick if... Helm I'm thinking of? He's done live at the Apollo. Yeah, I oh, can God, see. Like, so one of the
0: pictures of him this. comes up as like Nick Helm at, like at yeah. like, the Apollo. I mean, he,
1: he, uh, this is uh, see, I could be talking out my arse here. He might do it every fucking year, um, but but I remember at the time there was a lot of talk about how they got like. Seven or eight minutes out of his set of uh, his 20 minute set and stuff, and it's like, well, yeah, because he doesn't write these broad hitting jokes. It's, it's it's great he got on there, but to me, it's not the it's, Nick Helm should be on late night and Paramount or Comedy Central, right? Or, right. You know what I mean? Kind of correct doing it. He should get that Stuart Do Lee you... thing of getting his own half hour, yeah, uh, of a, uh every week
0: or to build a thousand own... pounds a year, right?
1: Yes, exactly, but uh, like so.
0: Do you, would you count yourself, like, would you go on live at the Apollo?
1: Um, I mean, you have to if they ask you.
0: I think I'd say no, honestly. No, you fucking wouldn't. Truly, I would. I don't think you would think... not. You have not to go on I'm not that guy. If... Like, I, like, I know exactly the kind of comedian that you mean. Like, broad jokes, uh, quite affable. I think you've got to be, or you've got to have something kooky that people will find, um, accessible and therefore it. Almost translates as affable. Uh, I don't think I'm any of those things. I'm. Um, I like swearing. I, mean, I... I like talking about reasonably dark stuff. Getting pissed. Getting fucked up. My twenties. Drugs. Sex. Like. But
1: look, look at it this way, right? If you were asked to go on live at the Apollo, mm. it would be the only time you're ever asked to go on live at the Apollo. You'd never be asked back for all of those reasons. Mm-hmm. So you might as well do it. You might as well take the seven grand appearance fee or whatever it is. I don't
0: even think it's all
1: that. No, I don't either. But do you know what I mean? You you, you might as well take the appearance fee, build up the few hundred people that did like you on the show into your thing, and then you've forever got that um, YouTube clip that will get you booked just by so many promoters.
0: I know what you mean.
1: reason you've been on there. So even if you don't want to go on there, You'd be insane not to. I mean, I don't think I'd want to go on there, but if they asked me, fucking hell, who the fuck's going to ask me? Who would I'd go on there? Look at Optimus Prime. This is Optimus Prime. And everyone goes, yeah, and that's that bit. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, but at the same See, time, like, I know that here's... that's literally the show. Um... Here's,
0: here's the difference between you and me, I think. is like, so you're thinking, yeah, it would be good career-wise, right? Effectively for your show reel, you would get booked. And you're right. You are bang on that if you have live at the Apollo under your name, Mm. you're going to find it infinitely easier to get booked at the comedy store or comedy cafe or, you know, wherever else it is that you're trying to get Friday night slots for like a hundred quid or 200 quid. So that's cool. I get that. But I would be immediately I'm thinking, you know, what would be better in terms of building up like my kind of audience would be if I turned it into like my own content. So I'll say yes, I will go and do the set for you. <laughs> but on the night, I will turn the performance into a very meta piss take yeah. fucking ru- ruinous thing about do Live it. at Apollo and broad stroke comedians. Yeah. And then people who fucking hate that shit will be like, this guy gets it. I'm with him. Yeah. Where's his Patreon?
1: I mean, I, I, I... that's probably
0: why I wouldn't get booked though.
1: I st- <laughs> yeah that's why <laughs> not trusting
0: this cunt with the mic get him off
1: who booked him um i mean that it's it's a world that's never going to be open to me so it's all a hypothetical question because i i don't want to be the on the agency that the the three agents that that book live at the Apollo i don't want to be one of their acts because i i i don't haven't spent as long as i am crafting my own small audience to then go oh no here's some jokes that i'm not comfortable doing mm. um and don't get me wrong i want to can i absolutely underline again what the skill is and the sheer talent it takes to write a joke that 7,000 people laugh at mm. you know it's fucking amazing tan and it's not one i possess it's not one i cover either but I just, I, I do get absolutely when I, when I'm, I've got, we've both got friends who've been on the Apollo, and I, I, I'm just in fucking awe sometimes of their ability. So I just, I, I don't think I think when these conversations come up, there's a lot of bitterness comes out of comedians, and it makes them sound like they're really kind of envious and kind of. But I, I am envious, but in a lovely way. Do you know what I mean? In in a in a way of one of, I just I just feel. It's not recognized enough how tricky it is to write that kind of material.
0: So two things there. First, mm. I think you are mistaking what is innate in those comedians in terms of their writing. Like I don't, like, if if people say, oh man, I wish I could write dark comedy. Or I wish I could write like a, a two-liner about drug use or about this or about that. I'd mm. be like, I don't get to decide the things that i that." Are funny like they just drop in my head and then I'm yeah. like that's a dark th- oh, That though, that's pretty fucking funny and I think it's the same like if you take a, a broad stroke comedian and they are cracking jokes about the dishwasher or like airport queues or something I don't think they have a choice so I don't necessarily think like you can be envious of <laughs> it like I wish I could do a joke about mm. Tesco's or that was something that was accessible by most people but I don't think they necessarily uh, deserve credit for it any more than david davis does <laughs> for not being what is
1: it what stop fucking sucking david davis's dick what's wrong with you
0: no i'm just saying um, like let's not dish I out know, credit where it's me. not due if, know, if we're not going to dish out credit me. over here for something that's not due we can't dish it out over here because if you did dish out credit for one and not the other you're a fucking hypocrite steve <laughs> guys that's
1: uh, McLean's a hypocrite <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all we've got time for and that's I a great con- note to leave this on um, is, is
1: that what we're doing Is that we're leaving it on that
0: We're leaving it on the the one joke That I've managed to crack This entire uh, podcast um, We've been talking for an hour man So we need to wind us up Jesus
1: And we said we wouldn't just talk about comedy And that's all we did
0: Yes Yeah <laughs> We we got a little bit of BBC in there Didn't yeah. we Yeah um,
1: I stand with Gary Lineker
0: Yeah Yeah me too man Solidarity with Gary Um Cool, man. Okay, so look, um, thanks very much once again to my uh to my guest tonight, Steve McLean. Um, go check him out. He's uh well, he's gonna be at the Orlando Fringe this year, taking mm. his show Action Figure Archive, but also give him a Google, give him a follow on uh on Twitter. He's at oh Steve mclean Um uh so yeah, big big props to my guest tonight. Just uh,
1: just just quickly, yeah. if you're one of those people who think, oh McLean's a hypocrite, I know I'm a hypocrite, keep it to yourself.
0: There you go. <laughs> uh right guys i will be back on wednesday for the solo show in which i will be ripping roasting ranting and ridiculing uh the current affairs of next week let's hope it's a little bit more uplifting a little bit less depressing than the state of the bbc has been uh this week and let's hope it's not too much culture worship frankly i'm really bored of this whole like poppies and statues and uh you know f- focusing all of our political capital on uh, creating anti-immigrant bills that we know we're never going to get past like let's hopefully next week will be a good news week or some something like the green shoots of hope that we can maybe move back into something approaching mature political discourse um i say i hope that that happens it's probably not going to happen but anyway i'll be back on wednesday for that solo show and next week friday night can't remember who i've booked but i'll be back (laughs) with another guest uh if you're enjoying these shows can i just ask you to maybe consider the patreon it's patreon.com forward slash aid thompson i'm starting a cult on there guys there's 16 of us now a 16 strong cult we're having our next meet up in london on friday the 28th of april um it's gonna be fun last time we met up was in october i drank too much tequila uh we talked shit about tories i fell asleep on the train home i woke up in farnham i had to pay for an expensive taxi back and uh, but it was good it was good fun good fun to meet everybody Uh, so if you're up for joining a new cult i don't know maybe brexit (laughs) maybe brexit has fallen to pieces you're fed up with brexit that was your cult that was your thing your ideologue shit maybe you're looking for something new maybe have a look at patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson uh, could be right up your street. You're going to get episodes of the podcast two days before everyone else. There's a discord instant messaging chat. We all jump in there and again, talk shit about Tories and exchange political memes and satirical content and so on. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Maybe check it out. However, last note before I let you all go. um, If you're not in a position to support the podcast financially, that is fine. I totally understand it. It's a weird time for everyone financially, not least me. I might lose my house soon. <laughs> but uh, if you're not in a position to, to jump on the Patreon, all I would ask is maybe share me about a bit, like the cheap, charmless harlots that I am. Just click the share button on your podcast player, send an episode to your friend, and just get me spread around via word of mouth. That would be incredible. Um, that's it from me. Once again, thanks to my guest, tonight uh, Steve McLean I'm back next week until then I'm out